2: Boa oh, Boa oh, oh.
0: my computer over here and then we'll go in prayer. Okay, let's, let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, In Jesus' wonderful name, Father, we come to you to hear your word today. We come to worship you, to serve you, to listen to you, and to grow in your spirit and in your presence and in your will. And we pray, Father, that we have not come in vain, but rather that we will receive your word today and that we will apply it into our lives receive it and retain it and keep it and live it all the days of our life and forevermore. Heavenly Father, we pray for your anointing on the sermon. Please help me to deliver your word which you have confirmed. We pray, Lord, that your people will listen to you and understand that your word would not return void or vain, but shall accomplish the purpose which forfeit is being sent. We pray for no hindrance to the Internet connections and phone lines. We pray for help in this. We pray, Father, that we feel your presence. Be with us. Help us, Father. Listen to your voice today. Your will be done in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. Let's go to the Book of Prophets, volume number four. In the Old Testament, let's turn to uh, Zephaniah chapter one, Zephaniah. And if you have the Alpha and Omega Bible, five-volume edition, that would be page number 183, 183 in volume number four. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 1 for the record today's date is October the 13th 2018 AD you know in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but in God's calendar it is the fourth day of the seventh month fourth day of the seventh month we just had the fiesta of trumpets three days ago that was exciting to get that revelation about the fiesta of trumpets that the seventh seal in the end time in the great tribulation the seventh seal will be opened on the very day that symbolizes the opening of the seven seals it's not just symbolism but it will actually be open that date whatever year that, that occurs And if you did not get to listen to that, I really encourage you to check out the written article about it how that there are five holy days, not just one, two, three, or four, but five holy days that are in perfect alignment concerning exactly how many days there are between each one of those days in the end time timeline described in the Bible, how it gives us 30 days and 1,260 and 1,290 and 1,335 and and a year and so on and so on and, and a year and a month and a day and an hour and all these different timelines that we see throughout Scripture, how each one of these time frames fit perfectly in between each Holy Day, including the fiesta of trumpets that we just celebrated three days ago. So that's really exciting and enlightening. Amen. Today, the subject is stay on the alert for end time events. Stay on the alert for end time events. Amen. Many, many people have grown weary staying on the alert they don't want to stay on the alert anymore many people many people do not appreciate the sermons and the teachings because they do not want to stay on the alert they would rather be careless happy joyous cure-free of thinking about the end times, thinking about the end times too much is too hard, too much of a burden upon them. They become distressed, depressed, worried, fearful, all these things, and don't want to believe that the end time is here. They don't want to believe that the Great Tribulation could start within the next six months or a year or two years they would much rather believe that it is 2 to 5 to 10 to 20 years away and some people even much farther away. Here at this ministry, I Saw the Light Ministries, we have consistently over the years stayed on the alert every year. And that makes people think that we are false prophets because year after year has gone by without the end coming yet. They become weary. They fall away. There so many other ministries out there that are not saying that it could happen at any time. So many other ministries out there are more tickle the ear and let you become complacent. Let's read here in the first chapter of Zephaniah starting in verse 1. God willing, we'll read this entire chapter here. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1, reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. The word of Jesus which came to Zephaniah which in pale Hebrew is more like Plophonius. The son of uh, Cushi, the son of Gileas, the son of Amaris, the son of uh, Hezekiah, the days of Josias, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Let there be an otter cutting off from the face of the land, saith Jesus. Let man and cattle be cut off, let the birds of the air and the fishes of the sea be cut off, and the ungodly shall fail. And I will take away the transgressors from the face of the land, saith Jesus. And I will stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will remove the names. I will remove the names, Pearl, not singular, but more than one name of Ba, out of this place and the names of the priests. Amen. And them that worship the hosts of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by Jesus, and them that swear by their king, regardless of who they swear by, they shall still be removed because of their wickedness. Verse 6, and them that turn aside from Jesus, and them that seek not Jesus, and them that cleave not to Jesus. Amen. There's different groups here. Some swear by Jesus and some don't. Some turn aside from Jesus. Some seek not Jesus. Some do not cleave to Jesus. We should be like cling wrap that clings to Jesus. High-quality cling wrap, not the generic kind, not the kind that you can't depend on, but the kind that has high-quality, main brand cling wrap that will really and truly cling to Jesus. You should not even be able to pull us away from Jesus. Like I said, I believe in the last sermon or the sermon before that, there should be nothing anybody could say or do. Nothing anybody could say or do to pull you away from Jesus or to cause you to fall away. Nothing should be impossible to cause you to fall. Nothing should be able to To cause you to fall away from Jesus. You should cling to him in that. But not only have some fallen away, but some did not even seek him to begin with. Both groups should be taken away. Verse 7 Fear you before Jesus, Theos, for the day of Jesus is near. For Jesus has prepared his sacrifice and has sanctified his guests. Now there's two things here. Jesus has prepared his sacrifice. You continue to read, and as you would think back about some previous sermons that we've read, including. Uh, just a few days ago on trumpets, the sacrifice in this context, as you keep reading, is not real animals. I'm not talking about animals, literal, literal, physical animals that were sacrificed on a certain day of the week or of the year, but rather it's talking about the wicked, the wicked that has already been talking about in the previous verses. These wicked people are symbolically becoming a sacrifice. He's killing, he's sacrificing, he is slaughtering the wicked people as if they were beasts, as if they were brute beasts, dumb animals, using biblical language. Okay? And he is preparing his slaughter of the wicked. But at the same time, the later part of this, the last part of this verse says that he is also sanctified. His guests, talk about the guests that are coming to the wedding supper, the marriage supper. He is sanctifying, set apart, making holy the people that will be at the wedding supper while preparing the wicked for their slaughter. Verse 8, and it shall come to pass in the day of Jesus' sacrifice. I would like for you to underline, please, the words, day of Jesus we just read that over and over on the day of trumpets that in that final year plus 41 and a half days that that year part is called the day of the Lord or actually the day of Jesus and a day in this symbolic language is not 24 hours or sunset to sunset or sunrise to sunrise, but in this prophetic symbolic language, it is a year according to Isaiah thirty-four verse eight. In case you were not listening on the fiesta trumpets, Isaiah thirty-four verse eight. You can write that in your notes and then read it after the sermon. That the day of Jesus is one year. The Bible says it is. In Isaiah 34 verse eight. So this is referring to the same time frame. the day of Jesus is near. Now the day of Jesus in the context of the sacrifice, the slaughter of the wicked, and preparing the people for the wedding guests the wedding supper. all of this is in times in time language. Yet it was written over 2,000 years ago and even hundreds of years before that in Old Testament times. So the people that would have read it before Jesus was even born, the people that would have read this chapter and many other chapters throughout the Old Testament, they would have thought that the judgment day and the time of chastisement and punishment of the end time, the great tribulation, was going to be upon them in their lifetime. Make no mistake about it, the true followers of the Almighty Creator throughout time have thought that the end was at hand. They would have read this over 2,000 years ago that the day is at hand, that the day of Jesus, the day of judgment is near. It said it was near. It is at hand, and they would have been in that mindset of, we got to get ready. we got to get ready because the Messiah's could come at any time, any day. And not only are the people reading this, but even Zephius himself, when he is writing it, as he is hearing it, the voice of the Creator, saying that the day is near. you got to remember that with God, one day as, as if not only a year, but like a thousand years, according to the Bible. A day is like a thousand years to God. So 2,000 years ago would have been like only two days ago to the Creator, since He has always existed and always will exist, a thousand years is like one day to him. So he wasn't lying. No, he does not lie. He wasn't lying when he told Zephyrus that the day is near. Because in God's mind frame of being the eternal creator, it was like, it would happen just two or three days from now. Amen. God was not deceiving. And Zephaniah himself would have also been in the in the mind frame of the end is near. And not only him, but many other Old Testament prophets. And then when you come to the New Testament, Paul and James and Peter and all of them, all of those guys in the New Testament had the same mind frame over and over and over in the New Testament, which again is 2,000 years ago. They continually said the day is at hand, the day is near, the coming of Jesus is near. They said it over and over. And yet these were true men of God, truly called, Truly ordained, not deceived, but having a mind frame of urgency and not complacency. Amen. Urgency, not complacency. Amen. Let's continue to read here. In verse 8, it shall come to pass in the day of Jesus' sacrifice that I will take vintage on the princes or on the leaders and on the king's house and upon all that wear strange apparel. I see a lot of people wearing strange apparel in this time and this generation, very much so. And we are held accountable for what we wear despite what people say. People are constantly, constantly, constantly saying It don't matter what you wear, what you look like, how you act, what you say. It's only a matter of your heart, that's all. That's what people want to say all the time. But the truth is, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you speak, shows your heart. And it is a matter of your heart, it is, it's true. But your clothes, your speech and your behavior reveals your heart, and it reveals your heart as being wicked or righteous, one or the other, and there is no in-between. You're either wicked or righteous, one or the other. Amen. You either serve God or the devil, one or the other. There is no in-between. And when it is the matter of the heart, and that's true, But God sees your heart, and he doesn't look upon your heart, a wicked heart. He does not look upon a wicked heart and say, oh, God bless him. God bless him, and I will have mercy on him. And I love him, so I just let him in for free and just let him come into the heavenly abode or into the fullness of the kingdom of God only because I love him and because he had a poor childhood and he was deceived and he was misled. And so I would look over the darkness and the wickedness and the paganism and the witchcraft and the Satanism and all this filthiness. I would look past all that simply because I love him and his heart loves me. That's not God, even though that's the way almost everybody looks at it like that and then almost everybody somebody just a few days ago basically in different words told me that yeah God loves us God loves everyone God loves us so basically that we don't have to become pure and holy like he is pure and holy because we just get a free ticket no matter what and so many people people that call themselves Christians people that call themselves preachers pastors. Think this way. And it's a very wicked way of thinking. Very wicked. Amen. Verse 9, And I will openly take vintage or repay or repaying people, vintage or wrath or anger on the porches in that day. On the men that fill the house of Jesus' their Theos with ungodliness and deceit. When it's talking about porches, there's talking about Uh, the doorways and the porches of the altar or of the temple, uh, the house of God, the church building, that the people that are coming to church, saying that they are saved, saying that they love God, saying that that they're going to enter the kingdom, when in fact they're full of ungodliness and deceit, that he will repay these people. He will have wrath upon those people. Verse 10, And there shall be in that day, saith Jesus, the sound of a cry from the gate of men slain, people killing, and a howling from the second gate, and a great crashing from the hills. Verse 11, Lament, or cry, mourn, You that inhabit the city that has been broken down, for all the people has become like Canaan, and all that were exalted by silver have been utterly destroyed. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will search Jerusalem with a candle or a lamp and will take vintage on the men that despise the things committed to them. But they say in their hearts, Jesus will not do any good, nor will he do evil. Now in that, that phrase that says, the men that despise things committed to them, that's talking about when God has called you or given you the truth or revealed something to you through this ministry or through the Bible or through prayer or through fasting or dream or vision or however way that God calls you or reveals something to you, and then you just lay it aside. Become complacent with it or give it up. Turn your ear away from it. Ignore it. Forget it. Set it aside. Despise it. trample it underfoot, however you want to say it. That's what it's all about. People that have been called but rejected the call. Or gave in the truth and rejected the truth. Or gave in the warning and rejected the warnings of the end time. Amen. And these people say in their hearts, yeah, it is a matter of the heart. They're saying in their heart that Jesus ain't going to do nothing. He's not going to do good nor bad. It's like if Jesus simply doesn't cure or doesn't see. As if there is no day of reward. As if there is no day of judgment. As if the great tribulation is not at hand. People don't fear the Lord. That's why they can easily walk away. They do not fear God. As if the great tribulation is not at the door. As if war and invasion and famine and pestilence is not at the door. Amen. they have become complacent. And therefore, they easily despise the things committed to them. They easily walk away, easily, extremely easily fall away because they don't fear the Lord and they don't really believe that the judgment is at hand. In verse 13, And their power should be for a spoil. And their houses for utter destruction, and they will build houses, and they shall not dwell in them. They shall plant vineyards, but shall not drink the wine of them. What this means is whatever they do, they're not going to receive good fruit from it. They can plant a garden, but the garden will not be any count, it will not be any good. Uh, They can build a house, but the house won't be any good. If you have forsaken Jesus, he will curse you. That's very clear in Scripture. You forsake Jesus, he will curse you. And you can plant a garden, but you will not be able to enjoy the wine that would have came from that garden if he had blessed it. Verse 14, for the great day of Jesus is near. It is near, very speedy. Underline that entire thing. That was written thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago. And the Bible said, and Zephariah wrote down, and thousands and millions and millions and millions and actually billions of people since that time have read that. And yet, the end of time never did come. But I tell you what did come is their judgment day, as far as their chastisement their war the invasion of their time the destruction of their society the destruction of their nation the destruction of their town of their family of their job their house or career whatever a time of judgment has come to every generation they may not have seen the sun and the moon darken and turn red like blood they may not have seen all the things we're going to see In our lifetime, in the day of the Lord, but they did have a tribulation of their generation. Every generation has received a judgment and a tribulation. And I tell you this, that throughout time, before the judgment came, God sent a prophet. He sent a prophet of Noah before the great flood. He sent Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Zacharias, Hosea, Daniel, so on, so on, so on. Through different generations, he always sends a prophet, a man that will proclaim the strong, unfiltered, uncompromised word of God, even when it offends. Even when it makes people angry, these men of God in different generations have warned the people, have blown the trumpet, and told the people to repent of their sins. The book of Isaiah says to blow the trumpet and spare not. Cry aloud, tell my people their sins. Amen. But when you tell people their sins, they will be offended. But the Bible tells the prophets, do not fear and do not spare, but tell my people their sins. If you are foolish, you're going to be called a fool. Amen. It is better to be insulted. It is better to be offended than to not hear what your sins are. Because I tell you, the people are blind to their own sins. They really are. That's the reality. God does send the prophets through different generations to tell the people their sins straightforward, even when it steps on their toes and insults them. Amen. Verse 14, for the great day of Jesus is near. It is near, very speedy. The sound of the day of Jesus is made bitter and harsh. A mighty day of wrath is that day, a day of uh, affliction and distress, a day of desolation and destruction, a day of gloominess and darkness, a day of cloud and vapor. A day of the trumpet, underline that, the day of the trumpet. The one year starts on the fiesta of trumpets. Amen. A day of the trumpet and cry against the strong cities and against the high towers. And I will greatly afflict the men. And they shall walk as blind men because they have sinned against Jesus. Therefore, he shall pour out their blood as dust, and their flesh as dung, S-H-I-T. Sometimes you got to say it the way it is, even though a lot of religious people be like, oh, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that. But the Bible is very straightforward. And if this had been written today instead of 2,000 years ago, it would say shit. Because that is the way that people are going to be laid out stinking with flies and maggots on them in the middle of the street when this day of judgment comes upon them. Amen. Verse 18, And there is silver and there are gold will in no wise be able to rescue them in the day of Jesus' wrath, the one year plus 41 and a half days wrath. For the whole land should be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will bring a speedy destruction on all of them that inhabit the land. It ain't coming to just a few people. It is coming to the entire world. Amen. I tell you, if people would read the Bible, and not just the book of Psalms, not just the feel-good parts of the Bible, but read the entire Bible and read it slow, and think about what they're reading, really, really think about what they're reading, and don't ignore the Old Testament, and don't ignore the warnings, I tell you, the Bible... Is very bold and uses very, very strong, very strong language. Amen. The Bible tells you the way it is. Now, if Zephaniah and the people in the Old Testament and Paul and James and all the true prophets and true people of God throughout history have always stayed on the alert as if the day of judgment was at hand, then why shouldn't we as well when we know that we're not going to be wrong about this? If we look at the situation in Syria, Iran, China, Russia, America, and around the world, We're not wrong about this. The day is at hand. It is extremely close. Only in our generation do we have nuclear bombs. They didn't have that 2,000 years ago or even 200 years ago. They didn't have the nuclear bombs. We have it today. 200 years ago, they didn't even have electricity or Internet or computers or cell phones or any phones. But today, only in our generation, is it possible for really all of the end time prophecy to be fulfilled. It is for our time more than any other generation. Even though a day of judgment did come in Old Testament times, and then later in 70 A.D., and then other times throughout history since then, a day of judgment has come to all generations. But the final fulfillment, the primary fulfillment, the main fulfillment of these scriptures has never been possible until our time. It's for us more than any other generation. So if it's for us more than any other generation, then why should we become complacent and and think foolishly, foolishly think that it's not going to be in this next year or two or three. We've got to stay alert and not fool ourselves into thinking it's a long time away. Amen. Look at Daniel chapter 9 in the same book of prophets. Daniel 9 verse 1 page 149 Daniel 9 verse 1 and as you turn there I just want to out loud out loud verbally thank you Jesus that you have confirmed this message today very powerfully Confirmed this message. I know that your anointing and your blessing is on this message that you want people to receive and understand and embrace this message. Amen. Praise Jesus. In Daniel 9, verse 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ashurias, of the seed of the Medes, who reigned over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. I, Daniel, understood by scrolls the number of the years, which was the word of Jesus to the prophet Jeremiah, even 70 years for the accomplishment of the desolation of Jerusalem. Talking about in that day and in that time that there would be 70 years of Babylonian captivity and then the temple would be restored and the Jews would be brought back to the land of Judah. Now, Daniel says he learned this about the 70 years of captivity from the scroll spoken about from the prophet Jeremiah's. Daniel read Jeremiah's. I love the Bible, it is so wonderful. Daniel did read the scroll of the book of Jeremiah, and from reading, that scroll of of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel was able to determine holy days and prophecy and timelines and of when and how things would occur, how long things would last, how many years there would be between different events. Amen. Amen. Now, we too, as the people of God, if we're reading the same scroll and if we're reading Daniel and book of Revelation and Matthew and all the different scrolls, all the different books of the Bible that we have available to us, which is more than Daniel had, we've got more of the Bible now. The New Testament and everything that Daniel did not have then we, too, should be able to read the Scriptures and be able to determine the timelines and how many days and how many years that there would be between different events. Daniel did it. We were the people of God just as well as Daniel was. We should be able to determine the times and the seasons and the years according to the Holy Scriptures. That's why the Holy Scriptures... Tell us how many days and years it's going to be between each of the end time events. Amen. It's not there in vain. It's there so that we can look on the calendar. That's why it's there. Amen. Verse 3, and I set my face toward the Lord, the theos, to seek him diligently by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth. I prayed to the Lord, my Theos, and confessed, and said, O Lord, the great, wonderful Theos, who is keeping your covenant, you are keeping your covenant and your mercy to them that love you and to them that keep your commandments. We have sinned. You have kept your covenant. You have kept your promises, but we have sinned. We have broken our promises and our covenant. Verse 5, we have done iniquity, breaking the law. We have transgressed, and we have departed and turned aside from the commandments and from your judgments, your laws. And we have not hearkened, listened to, we have not listened to, we have not obeyed, we have not hearkened to your servants, the prophets. To Jeremiah's Daniel says we have not listened to Jeremiah's he basically he basically says you sent Jeremiah to warn us of the Babylonian invasion before it even happened and the people did not listen the people mocked and laughed and even arrested Jeremiah's for declaring the truth arrested him for declaring the truth about what was to come, because the people did not want the strong, bold, unfiltered, uncompromised truth. What the people wanted was false prophets saying, The invasion is not coming. Read the book of Jeremiah, it talks about people saying, The invasion is
2: not coming.
0: They wanted a feel-good, feel-good, tickle-the-ear message. But that's not the message that God gave to Jeremiah. God did not give Jeremiah a feel-good, tickle-the-ear message. But rather, he gave Jeremiah a message of doom and destruction. He was called the weeping prophet. And he saw the destruction with his own eyes. And it occurred in his lifetime. Even though he had preached it for many years before it came, the people did not repent. So the judgment came just as it had been declared. The same thing is true in our lifetime do not want the strong bold warnings but rather they want to believe that we're going to have peace that we're going to make America great again they believe more in the power of Trump to restore America back to its former greatness and even though Trump is doing a great job his time is limited And every president of the United States and every president of a nation, their time is limited. They're always removed eventually through election or coup or war or death or impeachment or something. Every president of a physical nation, their time is limited. Once Trump is gone, once Trump is gone, However that happens, whenever that happens, once Trump is gone, what's going to happen then? People should not be putting all of their hope in this one man. He is not God. Amen. Trump is not God. Even though I support him, he is not God. Neither is he the Antichrist son the tradition, He's not that either. He's just a man who has been chosen by God to lead America for a short period of time. Short period of time. Because when we look at the situation in China, Russia, Iran, Syria, even in America, and Africa, and across the world, We can see, if we have spiritual eyes to see, we can see very clearly that the day of Jesus is near, more near now than it ever has been in all of human history. Now is not the time to become complacent. Now is not the time to be ignoring The warnings and messages of God's servants, the prophets that he sends, many more than just me, have been warning the people that the invasions are coming. Even even people that are not even ministers all across the United States for years and years have been having the dreams and visions of the coming invasion of America. It's going to happen. In our lifetime the people that has been having the dreams and the visions they see the invasion coming and they see themselves killed in the invasions many people have contacted me over the years and most of those people that contacted me about their dreams and visions of the war of the invasion most of those people saw themselves killed in these dreams, saw that they're going to die in this war. Not that God's going to protect them. Not that they're they're going to stand for the glory of God. Not that they're going to die for Christ either. But simply that the war is coming and they're going to die. It is a warning of judgment that they should repent because they are going to die in this invasion. That's exactly what it is. And why would they be having these dreams if it were not true? So many people of different denominations, of people that don't even go to church, and yet they're having these dreams because God is telling them, this is going to come to you. What the Apotheca books, part of the Old Testament, called the Apotheca, which was removed from the Bible the Apocrypha tells us that on that Passover night in Egypt, when the last plague, the tenth plague came upon Egypt, that the firstborn of all the Egyptians died on that Passover night. That before that happened, God gave dreams to the Egyptian people that their firstborn was going to die and why, that it was occurring. According to the Apotheca, according to Holy Scripture, and that's exactly what the Apotheca is, Holy Scripture, God gave dreams before it happened, letting the people know that it was going to happen. And the same is happening now in our day and our time that God has given dreams to lost people. To the Egyptians, symbolically, wicked, lost people who are not even trying to follow the Lord. But he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to you because of your wickedness. And that's happening all over America. And not just one or two or three people, but lots of people all over America are having these dreams. It's coming. And it's coming in their lifetime. Amen. It's coming in their lifetime. And their dreams will happen, will be fulfilled. You know what verse I'm in? Verse 6, maybe. And it says, verse 6, that we have not hearkened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Verse 7, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, and to us confusion of faith, as at this day to the men of Judah, and to the dwellers in Jerusalem, and to all Israel, to them that are near, and to them that are far off in all of the earth, wherever you have scattered them, for the sin which they have committed. Verse 8, in you, O Lord, is our righteousness. And to us belong confusion of faith, and to our kings, and to our princes, and to our fathers, for as much as we have sinned, verse nine, to you, the Lord of to you, the Lord Artheos, belong in compassions and forgiveness, whereas we have departed from you. Neither have we hearkened to the voice of Jesus Artheos, to walk in his laws, which we he has set before us by the hands of his servants, the, servant the prophets. Moreover, all Israel have transgressed your law, and have refused to hearken to your voice. So the curse has come upon us, an oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of Theos, because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us great calamities, such as have not happened under the whole heaven, according to what had happened in Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all these calamities have come upon us, yet we have not besought Jesus or Theos that we might turn away from our iniquities and have understanding in all your truth. Jesus also has watched and brought the calamities upon us, for Jesus or Theos is righteous in all of his work which he has executed, but we have not hearkened to his voice. Amen. Let's go to the book Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter twelve, page one hundred three, page one hundred three, Ezekiel twelve verse twenty one. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 21, and the word of Jesus came to me saying, son of man, what is your parable on the land of Israel that you say the days are long and the vision has perished? That word parable, we're going to change to the word saying, what is the saying? What is your saying? What is your figure of speech? What is your saying? on the land of Israel, that you say the days are long, the vision has perished. Verse 23, Therefore say to them, thus saith of Jesus, I will even set aside this saying. Change that as well. I will set aside this saying, and the house of Israel shall no more at all use this saying. For you shall say to them, the days are at hand. And the import of every vision. That word "import" means the actual occurrence. That is the the occurrence. You could change it to occurrence if that would help you to understand it next time that you read it. It's happening now. It's going to happen. It's coming out. So what 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 Jesus is saying? The time is coming when. All of this, well, all these people are saying, oh, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It's for a long way from now. He's going to do away with that, that figure of speech. He's going to do away with those words, and it's going to happen. One of these days, it's going to happen. Amen? And in verse 24, for there shall no more be any false vision for it nor anyone prophesying flatteries in the midst of the children of Israel. For I, Jesus, will speak my words. I will speak and perform them and will no more delay. For in your days, O provoking house, I will speak the word and will perform it, saith Jesus. Moreover, the word of Jesus came to me, saying, Son of man, behold the provoking house of Israel. Boldly say the vision of which this man sees is for many days, and he prophesies for times afar off. They're saying it's a long ways away, it ain't going to happen soon. Therefore, say to them, Love save Jesus, henceforth none of my words shall linger, which I shall speak. I will say and do it, Save Jesus. Now, that's written not only for the lifetime of He's equal for the judgment and the tribulation that did come upon that generation, but more so even for our generation as well, because we have these scriptures for us, for our edification, as well as for the edification and warning of his lifetime as well. It works both ways. Amen. Let's go to the book of Amos, also in the same book of uh, Prophets. Staying in the book of prophets for a while, Amos chapter 6, book of Amos starts on 165. And let's go to chapter 6, which is page 169. Is 169, Amos 6, verse 1. We'll go down to verse 10. Verse 1 through 10. Amos 6, verse 1 through 10. Amos 6, verse 1. Woe to them that sat complacent in Zion. And that trust in the mountain of Samaria, trusting in the natural defense of a mountain that would try to hinder the armies that would approach them. They're trusting in the land, in their geological location. Uh, They're sitting complacent in Zion, trusting in that mountain of Samaria. They have gathered the notable leaders of the Gentile nations, and they have gone in themselves the house of Israel. O house of Israel, pass by all of you and see, and pass by there to this place, and there be seen to Gath of the Philistines, the chief of all these kingdoms, and see of their borders or coasts are greater than your borders or coasts. You who are approaching the troublesome day, who are drawing near and adopting false rest day, which is Christmas and Easter and Sunday, those are false rest days. Verse 4, Who sleep upon beds of ivory and live delicately on their couches and eat lambs from their flocks and suckling calves out of the midst of the stalls, who excel in the sound of musical instruments. They have regarded them as permanent and not as fleeting pleasures. Have drank strained wine and anointed themselves with the best ointment, and have suffered, and have suffered nothing on occasion of the calamity of Joseph. So what it's saying, from verse four through six, is that there are a calamity coming to a time of trouble and destruction coming to these people that are living in, uh, high on the hog enjoying the luxuries of life, enjoying uh, false rest days, false holidays, the riches of life, nice, comfortable, this and that, that there's a time coming, and they're not realizing that these things are only temporary. Amen. And verse 7, therefore, now shall they depart into captivity first. And a nyan of horses shall be cut off from Ephraim, which is the British commonwealth. For Jesus has sworn by himself, saying, because I had poor all the pride of Jacob, I do also detest or forsake, it should say. So mark out hate. And above it, he can write detest. Forsake, it be detest or forsake his lands, and I will cut off his city with all who inhabit it. It shall come to pass if there be ten men left in one house that they shall all die, but a remnant will remain, and their families shall take them and shall stringently endeavor to carry forth their bones from the house. And one should say to the other In front of the house, is there anyone else with you? And he should say, no one else. And the other should say, be silent, that you name not the name of Jesus, either because they fear the name of the Lord or it is outlawed or they're angry at Jesus and don't want to speak his name. Whatever the reason is, the people will be, uh, say, don't, don't don't say Jesus' name, but in the midst of all this destruction, they're either still refusing to repent or it's against the law to use Jesus' name or they're angry at Jesus, whatever it is happening there that they're refusing to use Jesus' name or they're telling one another not to use Jesus' name. Um, And they're in this captivity, this war, this famine, this destruction, people are dying left and right And But at first, everything was okay. At first, the land was at peace, and they had riches. They had money. They had merchandise. They had the goods of the land. They were living a good life. Then war and destruction and death came or will come to this land. And this is even in the context of Ephraim and Jacob, which is referring to To the English-speaking people all across the world amen that is coming to us that's not just to Judah that's not just to the Jews but to Jacob and Ephraim who are not Jews it is to all the English-speaking people and it is more for our end time than what it was for the previous times now let's go to the New Testament Luke Chapter twelve. Luke twelve page seventy eight Luke twelve, verse thirty one. Let's go from verse 31 down to verse 56. Luke 12, verse 31 through 56. Luke 12, verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and then these things here on earth shall be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. Verse 32 Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Throughout Scripture, Throughout Scripture, the Bible warns us against physical, carnal riches. We should be content, according to the Bible, which is the truth, we should be content with having enough to eat, having our necessities, enough clothes, having a place to live, our necessities. We should be happy and content in these things. We should not be pouring up carnal, physical, non-necessities such as multiple computers, multiple TVs, fancy TVs, expensive TVs, expensive stereos, expensive cars, and decorations all over the house and better furniture and better this and bigger this and more expensive this and all that junk. The more you have, it owns you and it controls you and it distracts you from what is more important in life, which is salvation and eternity and helping the poor. Instead of helping yourself, To continue to pour up treasures upon the earth, we need to be helping people to get the Alpha and Omega Bible, to get clothes, food, medicine. We have church members of this congregation in Africa that don't know where their food is going to come tomorrow. We have many people who have asked this ministry for Bibles and never received them. Because Too many people in the world would listen to five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour of this or read a few pages on the Internet and say, oh, that has too much to do with prophecy. They think the end of time is coming. They think that this nation is going to be invaded. Therefore, I'm going to break my promises and not send the money. That's exactly what's occurring. People who have promised to send money to this ministry, who have lied straight out to God, lied straight out to me, and never fulfilled their word, and not sent a penny, because they found out that I'm warning that this nation is going to receive judgment, that this nation is going to be invaded, and it's in, it is in our lifetime, probably even within the next six months, a year, two years, three years, however however long it is, sometime soon. Because they, they want the feel-good, tickle-the-ear message. They are not hearkening to the voice of God. If they would just turn on the news, See what's going on, pay attention. Get their head out of the sand and look at the actual words being spoke back and forth between Trump and China and Russia and Syria and Iran, what they're saying, what they're doing, troop movements, movements of military selling of military equipment, the different things that are occurring. They are preparing, the nations and the presidents of this world, they are preparing for World War III. I kid you not, I lie you not, I deceive you not. Jesus is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. The nations and presidents of this earth, they are preparing for World War III. And if you do not see that, you're blind. Short and simple, blind, and foolish, and ignorant, if you cannot see that. It does not take a prophet to be able to see these things. It just only takes only common sense. And if you cannot see that World War III is right on the edge, then you're blind. Amen. This is not the time to become complacent. Amen. This is, this is the time to stay on the alert. And if it distresses you, so be it. Get distressed. For the time is at hand. Amen. People need to get distressed because it will provoke them to repentance. It will provoke them to get serious about their salvation. Amen. Get distressed. Amen. It says here in verse 35 be dressed in red- readiness and keep your lamps lit. Keep your lamps lit. Don't let your lights go out. Keep your lights on all night long because it could happen in the middle of the night. Even though we know, really, that it's still a few months away. I'm not saying this month. I'm not saying next month. I'm not I'm not like the false prophets that constantly every, every, every month, it's this month, it's this month, it's going to happen this month. I am not like that. Even though, People accuse me of being like that. Amen. But the truth is, many, many, many times I have told the people, it is not this month. It is not next month. It's not in the next three months. Sometimes I've said it's not for another year. I've said that before. Sometimes, many times, at least six months away and so forth. Eventually, there are eventually some times that I do say it could be this month or next month, that everything will begin. But even then, even then, I am only saying that things are going to start happening. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back this year. I'm not saying the rapture is going to happen this year. I'm not going to say the earth is going to be destroyed this year. Even though there are tons of ministries on Facebook and Twitter and across the Internet, that are saying, and constantly, constantly, over and over and over, says that the end of the world, I'm talking about the very end of the world, the rapture and the coming of Jesus, that these things are going to happen this month. Tons of those ministries. And every month, the same thing, over and over and over. And yet, people are following those people. by the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, probably millions of people are following those ministries of doom and it's not but lies because the Bible tells us how many years how many days that we have to go between the different events and they are not following the timeline amen but nevertheless nevertheless Jesus tells us to be dressed and readiness, keep her lights on, In symbolic language, that means stay ready. Stay ready. Don't fall asleep spiritually. Stay on the alert. Verse 36, be like people who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding so that they may immediately open to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master will find, only alert when he comes. Amen. I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit at the eating table and will come up and wait on them. Jesus will wait on us. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so ready and prepared, blessed are they. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into, but rather he would have stayed up all night waiting and prepared. Amen. Verse 40, you too be ready, for the Son of Mankind is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, Jesus was telling people that 2,000 years ago, and yet he did not come a second time. He did not come in judgment and in wrath in their lifetime. But he told those people standing in front of him to be ready, that he could come back any day, any night. He wants people to stay ready in every generation. In every generation, He wants our mind frame to be, it is the end of time. That is His will. Because if we have that mind frame that it is going to happen soon, then we will be very, very serious about our salvation our walk with the Lord, our lives, what we do, what we say, how we act, how we dress, everything. Our lives would totally be committed to Him if we fear Him rightfully so. Amen. He does not want any generation to be complacent and to think that He could not come. Amen. But do not Do not think, do not think, please do not think that this means, that these verses mean that it's impossible to ever know what year that he would return. Because it's not impossible to know what year he will return. It is not impossible. He never said that it would be impossible to ever come to know. He said they did not know. But he did not say that it would always and forever be impossible. There is a difference. In our day and in our time, all we have to do is count the days because it's written. And if it's written, then we should be able to read it and count the days. We're going to be able to know when it's going to happen if we will hearken to his word if we would believe the timeline that the Bible reveals to us. Amen. And stay ready and believe that it is for our time. Amen. And it says here, let's go down to verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise servant, Stuart, whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master finds so doing when he comes. And then I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that servant says in his heart, That my master will be a long time in coming, and begins to beat the servants and men and women, and to eat and to drink and to get drunk, talking about on a constant basis of guttinity. Because it's not a sin to eat, not a sin to drink, it's not a sin to get drunk. Read the Bible, but it is a sin to live live a life of guttinity. Whether you're talking about Eating chicken, beef, turkey, whether you're talking about eating strawberries, drinking water or drinking wine, it's all the same. One me is just as bad as another gutney. And if you're doing this in a guttonous way, and a wasteful way, and not saving back for the winter time, not saving back for the tribulation. Amen. You think that the judgment day is not coming, you think the tribulation is not coming soon, and you just spend all of your money and waste all of your money on, on all the groceries that you could buy and eat it all up, consume it all up, and drink it all up. This is the teaching. This is the context that it's talking about. It's not about whether or not you drink alcohol or not. That's not the context. Context is a a thinking that he is not near, and therefore you're not saving up and preparing for that day of darkness and gloom and tribulation and the rest. But you're just living like uh, high on the hog, that expression in America. I don't know if you ever heard that expression in Australia and Korea and Africa, but high on the hog, Expression that we use in America to mean living it up rich, buying anything you want to buy, instead of being poor and instead of watching very carefully what you do with your money. So, this is very clear in the context that we should be careful of our money and our supplies, careful about saving up food for a harder time, as the book of Proverbs tells us, that we are to look at the ants and consider how the ants prepare their food and store up food for the winter, and how we can look at other animals and insects to learn from them how they also are conservative, hardworking, and work hard, and yet they store up food for harder times. Amen. Even our, even a lot of our ancestors, they understood that. But nowadays, in this wicked generation, they just want to consume, consume, consume. They don't want to save for the harder times ahead. Verse 46, the master of that servant, Will come in a day when he's when he does not expect, and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place for the unbelievers. So right here it says that you can be a believer, a servant of God. But if you, as a servant of God, become complacent and live in it high on the hold and not being conservative not preparing for the day of darkness, that Jesus would come back at a time that you don't know because you're not on the alert. It's not saying that we can never know. What it's saying is, if you're not on the alert, that he's going to come as a thief at a time that they don't know because they're not watching. They don't believe the timeline. That's why he's going to come back as a surprise to them because they don't believe the timeline. They don't believe it's going to happen very soon. Amen. And so his place will be with the unbelievers. Right there, it proves to you that they lose their salvation. Once saved, always saved is a lie of the devil. Read this verse. It's talking about servants of Jesus who is going to be placed with the unbelievers. That's very, very clear that they lose their salvation. Verse 47, And that servant, who knew his master's will, true followers of Jesus, and did not get ready or act in accord of his will, will receive many lashes. Amen. For the one who did not know it, and committed works worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has given, been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, that they will ask all the more. Amen. In other words, if you have heard the truth from this ministry, or from the scripture, or from another ministry, If you have heard the truth and ignored it, then you are going to be held responsible for tramping underfoot the Word of God. Amen. In verse 49, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I would like for it to be already kindled. Amen. God is eager to return and to give judgment to both the righteous and the wicked. He is eager for this, and he is eager for his family, his true servants who are faithful to the end, to be gathered to himself. He is eager for that, and we too should be eager for that. If we really love the Lord, we should be wanting to be with him. And we should not be wanting to continue in this dark, wicked world. As true servants of Jesus, we should want him to come back soon. And we should be eager for that fire to be kindled. We should be eager for the day of the Lord to come so that the wickedness of this earth will be judged. During the times of Sodom and Galora, Abraham's nephew named Lot. Lot and his family cried out because of the wickedness of the land. And they cried for judgment to come upon the land. Amen. And God brought the judgment upon the land and saved Lot from that land before the judgment came. Amen. We should be crying out for the judgment to come, even as we read in the book of Revelation that the saints that have already been killed, that are resting and sleeping in their graves, that even they could not rest because of the wickedness that is on this earth right now. And they come awake and they ask Jesus, when are you going to bring the judgment? If the dead are crying out for justice against the wicked, how much more shall the people of God who are alive and awake already? If you are awake and if you can see the wickedness upon this earth, we too should be calling out, Lord Almighty, bring the fire down upon this earth and judge these people. Shake the earth. And bring the reward for the wicked and the reward for the righteous. Let it come, Lord, let it come. Amen. When I think about the end time, it does not distress me. Because I know it must come. And I know it's going to come. Whether we want it or not. Whether we like it or not. Whether we appreciate it or not. It is coming, so we might as well embrace it. Amen. We might as well embrace it and see the good part of it. See the positive part of it, because once the judgment comes, repentance will finally come. Repentance will finally come once the judgment comes. And not only this, but all the wickedness of this earth will be removed and the righteousness of God's kingdom will be put on this earth. The righteous judgment of the government of God will come to this earth and we should be eager for that to come. I know that there are difficult times ahead, but it will be all worth it once we get into the kingdom and His justice his administration of justice upon this wicked world to put the wicked in their right place under our feet. Amen. Uh, praise Jesus. And let's look at chapter fourteen, Luke fourteen, Luke chapter fourteen. Luke 14, starting in verse 16, going down to verse 27. Luke 14, verse
2: 16.
0: And he said to them, or to him, a man was given a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they, were, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Verse 19, another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a woman, and for that reason I cannot come. And the servant came and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his servants, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame." And the servant said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. There's not enough people. There's still, the room is still not completely full, even though we invited everyone, even the homeless, even the poor, even the crippled, even, even the lame, and people have not shown up for the marriage supper. Verse 23, and the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and along the hedges, and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. But I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Amen. God is seeking. John 4 says that God is seeking a people who will worship him in
2: spirit
0: and in truth. He is searching for people who are willing to believe Him and follow Him all the way to the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. But most people that have been called, most people that have heard the truth, most people that have heard the warnings and the messages and the end-time revelations, they have made excuses, excuses on top of excuses. And a lot of times their excuses is that they don't believe that it's time to come. Even though they're being called, even though they're being invited, even though they're being told what time it is, they don't believe it's time. They're not getting serious about repentance and salvation and eternal life. They're not getting serious about the day of the Lord that is at hand. Amen they got too much distractions because of how much they own. Distractions because of the carnal love of the flesh. Kissy, kissy. I love you, darling. Hold my hand. Let's go to town. Let's go on a date. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's not think that the midnight hour is coming. Amen. Building houses, buying houses making for sure that their stove and refrigerator is stainless steel, replacing their countertops with fancier, more beautiful, more expensive countertops instead of taking that money to buy Bibles and to feed the hungry. Laying up treasures upon the earth and forgetting about the treasures laid in heaven. This is the reality for almost everybody who says that they are saved. Almost everyone who thinks that they are saved. Their hearts are set on mommy, daddy, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, children, parents, jobs, houses, careers, sports, money, movies, and that and this and that and this and that they are not hearkening to the urgency of the hour that time is short it's time to get serious this is not the time for complacency amen And let's go to one more place in the Bible in Hebrews 12, Hebrews chapter 12. And if you have Alpha and Omega Bible, this is on page 225. I'm telling you people, this is not the time to get rich. But rather, this is the time to get poor. This is not the time to get rich. But rather, this is the time to be spending your money on Bibles, feeding the hungry, spending money to Africa and the Philippines, and across the world for the purpose of the gospel, and of helping people to survive food, medicine, needs, true necessities, rather than stuff our stomachs, eating out Chinese, eating out pizza, eating out buffet, eating here, eating there, buying expensive seafood, buying expensive uh, stuff, at the stores, going to the expensive shopping centers, expensive stores, and expensive groceries, and the best that you can have, and another TV, and another computer, and another phone, and a better this, and a fancier this, and a more expensive this. This is not the time for that guttony of the carnal treasures of this earth, but rather is the time to sacrifice what you want to help people who are in real and true need. And that is the gospel. That is true religion, to help the poor. That is true religion, to help the widows and orphans. But people who call themselves Christians have starving friends in Africa, who they call them friends on Facebook, and then let them starve. What kind of friend is that? Oh, God bless you. I pray for you, but I won't help you because I'd rather spend my money on adding another bedroom onto my house, adding this onto my house, changing my countertops, and and buying stainless steel appliances rather than to help you have food for today so that you're not going to bed hungry and starve. They call themselves Christians. And that is the majority of the people. Amen. Now I know I know that the handful of people who follow this ministry closely, that you have already sacrificed and you are poor, and you can't do very much for the poor. So I'm not necessarily talking to you, but rather I'm talking to the people that can do more, that have not done enough, that have not sacrificed yet, that are still living in luxury and ignoring the true needs. Amen. And there are many of those. This is not just about helping people physically either, but also about hearkening to the warning about the day of judgment that is coming and waking up spiritually and coming out of Babylon and coming out of your neighborhood church, just because it's the closest church to you, coming out of that church, coming out of the church where your mommy and daddy raised you, come out of the church of lies, coming out of the church of traditions of man, and get in the Bible. Get in that church of the Bible. Stay at home and read the Bible instead of going to church listening to that lying deceiving preacher who doesn't even know the Bible, doesn't even understand the Bible, and telling you that there's going to be a pre trib rapture which is not even in the Bible or telling you what saved, always saved, and that's not in the Bible. They don't know the Bible. Stay home and read the Bible for yourself. you will be much better off. Amen. Read the Bible. And read it slow. Read it real slow. And think about what it is saying, because it will blow your mind. If you read the Bible real slow and think about what it says, it will blow your mind because every word of it will blow out, completely blow away every one of the teachings in your local church. Every every teaching in your local church will be blown out of the field by the words of God Almighty in the Bible. Amen. But instead you're taught to read it fast and to ignore what it says and not believe what it says and to twist what it says and distort what it says and take it out of context. That is the way that you're taught to do by these churches of man. I know because I've been there. I've been there and I know that they teach you to, to distort it and twist it. I know. It says here in Hebrews 12, verse 1, I mean down to verse 25. Hebrews 12, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking, talking about the true prophets of God and to the Holy Ghost himself. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. For his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, quoting the Old Testament, quoting Haggai 2, verse 6, quote, yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Amen. The shifting of the wheat. Shaking the pot, shaking the entire earth, and devouring the earth and consuming the earth. And what is left? What is left? What is worthy to stand? What have you built your house upon? Have you built your house upon the rock? or upon sand? Have you built your house upon riches and stainless steel appliances? Or have you built your house upon helping the poor and the orphans and the widows and really and truly understanding the Bible rather than following the lies and deceptions of traditional denominations? How have you built your household? What have you trained your children, your husband, your wife? What have you taught people? What doctrines have you taught? What teachings have you taught? What denominations have you embraced? Are those things going to stand or fall? Will the Baptist church still be standing in the millennium? No. Will the Pentecostal church still be standing in the millennium? No. Will the Apostolic, will the Seventh-day Adventist, will the Catholic, will the Methodist, will the Presbyterian, will the Episcopal, will any of the cults of this world still be standing in the millennium? Absolutely not. There will be no such thing as a Baptist church and a Pentecostal church and a Catholic church and a Lutheran church and that ism and that ism and that ism. It will not stand. It will not survive the fire, the wrath that's going to come upon this earth. They will not survive. And I don't care if those churches will be packed. You can have a million people in your mega church in Houston, Texas, and all the other mega churches all across uh, the land on this earth. You can have your church buildings that fit 10,000 people in a stadium, completely packed, praying and fasting, and calling on the name of Jesus. It won't save you. It won't save you Jesus said that in that day many people will call on the name of the Lord and they will say did we not cast out demons in your name did we not do many mighty works in your name and Jesus will say to them people those Christians those preachers, those television evangelists, he would say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Amen. Salvation is not in the building. Salvation is not in the temple. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ. Amen. And these churches, count my word, these churches will burn. It doesn't matter what they're made out of, how big, how large, or how much of a membership they have. These churches will burn. They will not exist in God's kingdom. Come out from among Babylon. Come out of her now, my people. And it says here in verse 28, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to Theos acceptable service with reverence and awe. With reverence and awe. When we are really and truly serving the Lord, we will fear him and we will fear the day of judgment and get right and repent and make things right with him so that we would not have to fear his face. But be glad to see his face. Have a smile on our face when we see him. Knowing that he will smile back and we will smile at him and not have a guilty heart or a guilty conscience and knowing that there will be no excuses on that day. You can make all the excuses right now. There will be no excuses on that day. Now is the time to repent. Now, before the tribulation, before the wrath, before the coming of the Lord, now is the day to repent, to wake up, to recognize the signs and the seasons, Amen I'll skip the verse let me see if I'm gonna find it in Luke somewhere go ahead and turn to Luke and then I'll tell you what chapter here in a minute Luke 12 Luke chapter 12 verse 54. Luke 12, verse 54. And he was also saying to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it turns out. And when a south wind is blowing, you say, it will be a hot day. And it happens. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. You know how to discern the appearance of the earth and of the sky, but why do you not discern the present time? Amen. That is very bold language that Jesus used. Every Christian that you know, perhaps even yourself, believe that Jesus never insulted anyone. He never offended anyone, that he never pointed out anyone's sins or faults. But the truth is, everything that I just said is a lie about Jesus never offending, Jesus never hurting anyone's feelings. That is not the truth, but yet that is the fake Jesus that is taught and believed by these people. I don't know how many people have told me to my face that Jesus never offended anyone. He never insulted anyone. He never condemned anyone. He never pointed out anyone's sins. He never made anybody feel bad or anything. That's such a lie. People need to read the Bible. Look, he said to their face, you're a hypocrite. He did insult people. He did offend people. He did point out people's sins and faults. Read the Bible. He spoke very, very boldly to the people. Amen. And he says that you know how to tell the weather by looking at the clouds in the sky, but you don't even know how to tell what time it is in discerning the signs, basically, if you compare it to other parallel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, how he said you don't even discern the the signs of the time, of what time it is. If you are awake and you have physical, carnal eyes and ears, physical, carnal ears, you should be able to turn on the TV or the computer and see the signs. You don't even have to be saved. You don't even have to have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to realize that the end of time is upon us. All you need is just physical, cardinal eyes and ears. Turn on the TV, get your head out of the sand, and realize what Trump is saying, what the president of China is saying, what the president of Russia is saying, the president of Syria, the president of uh, Iran, and across the world what these people are saying and doing. And you should have enough discernment to know that the tribulation is not 5, 10, 20 miles down the road, but rather it is at the door. The tribulation is near it. Wake up. Amen. And get ready in every possible way. Get ready in every possible way. Amen. And change your priorities and get into the Bible, into prayer, into fasting, and into obedience of His commandments. And stop making excuses. Amen and follow His will and not your will. Here in a few days, we're going to be keeping the Day of Atonement. It's a few days away, the Day of Atonement. And that's a very, 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 very important holy day when we fast for 24 hours, no food, afflict our bodies and to afflict our souls to cry out to the Almighty Father for forgiveness of our sins to help us to grow in our relationship with Him but also to think about end time events and how that also relates to the Holy Days to the Fiesta of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement and so forth and if you have not yet read the article on the ministry website about the five holy days that point to the end time events. I really encourage you to to check out that article very soon, as soon as possible because it is important. And you can find that at i saw the light ministries.com, i saw the light ministries.com and go to the prophecy section and then look for the article about the five Holy Days in the End Time Prophetic Timeline, and that's going to shock you. It is mind-boggling how the Bible tells you exactly how many days there are between the fifth seal and the sixth seal and the seventh seal and the different trumpets and how when you count how many days are between each of the holy days, it's exactly what the Bible says about how much time there will be between the different seals and end-time events. It's mind-boggling. Not just one holy day or two or three or four, but five, five holy days that have the exact number of days between each and every one that the Bible tells you that there will be. And this proves that the holy days are not gone, that they are not deleted, that they are not done away but rather they are still important for this day and this time and this hour. They are more, more important for us in this time than at any other time in human history. The Day of Atonement, the Fiesta of Tabernacles, the Fiesta of Trumpets, Passover, the Days of Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, these holy days that are in the Bible are more important for the New Covenant, New Covenant people of today, more important for our generation than what it was for the Old Testament people. Because the prophecies in the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, they point to our time of being fulfilled on these holy days. Check it out for yourself because this is not my teaching. This is not the result of my research, but rather it is what the Bible says. Choose you this day. Who you will serve? Will you continue in the pagan holidays of this world, or will you switch sides and choose to serve the Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ, who created good holy days with tons of meaning that is for our benefit today, that will point you to the day? Of the Lord the day of his coming that he shall not come as a thief in the night to his bride because his bride knows in exactly what time the husband can be expected to come home does she not does not the bride stay up all night waiting for the exact hour that her husband gets off from work and is expected to come in the door We will not be shocked about his return. We'll be expecting that. We'll be able to look at the clock and know when he is coming. Do not think that the bride should be ignorant. Because if you think that the bride should be ignorant, then you are not awake enough yet. Amen. God is good. And he is mind-blowing amazing. You have no idea how mind-blowing and amazing he is yet. But when these prophecies are fulfilled, and all the people that have mocked and laughed and ridiculed his revelations, they shall be greatly ashamed. And they will come knocking on the door of this ministry, and I would have to tell them why. Did you forsake his work years ago? Why did you leave? Why did you forsake his work when you had already been given the revelations of his word and saw the miracles? Miracle after miracle after miracle. We saw the dead raised. We in this ministry did. And they still Left Jesus and forsook his work. After seeing the miracles of the Bible with their own eyes in this ministry, they still left Jesus and forsake his work. I will have to bring those things back up to them. And I will point them to Jesus Christ. But they will have to be led into captivity, for that is what they are appointed for. Because what you do will be repaid there is a day of vintage there is a day of judgment amen Consider these things as we head into the day of atonement only a few days away and if you don't know what the Day of Atonement is about and symbolism about that, please go to I saw the light, ministries.com which will give you the scripture. It won't give you my opinion, my doctrines, my teaching, my thinking, and my research, but rather it will give you what the Bible says. I will point you to the Bible. I will point you to Jesus Christ. I am nothing but a mailman delivering the message, delivering the letter, delivering the scroll from him to you. Amen. Okay, well, I believe that that is everything that Jesus gave me for today. And he did powerfully, powerfully confirm this message earlier today. And I'm very, very, very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for the continued revelations that he's been showing us and for all the different people around the world that have been accepting Jesus' name in the recent days and weeks and months and years, how more and more and more people are learning that there's only one name under heaven by which you may be saved, and it is not Yahweh which, is, which the witches and, and witches and Satanists chant. It is not Yahshua that the witches and Satanists chant, but it is the name of Jesus which the witches and Satanists reject. The wicked reject it. Amen. It is Jesus' name. My stomach, my stomach, my stomach. My soul and my stomach wants to vomit and cry because of how many people that have trampled underfoot the name of Jesus and embraced the names of demons and are praying to demons when they have been told by the Freemason preachers that God's name Is the why names, and it's a lie. And they have trampled underfoot the name of Jesus and called Jesus' name evil. These people, why would you do that? I tell you, there's a day of repay. And if you have not repented of the demonic why names yet, Now is the time to do so. Fast, pray, scream out to Jesus Christ. Ask him for the truth. And ask for real and true and deep discernment rather than following the websites and books of mankind who does not know agent languages. Jesus was alive. God was alive. Throughout all of human history, he knows the languages. These Hebrew roots cults, they do not know or understand languages from thousands of years ago. They go by the the false knowledge of man. They go by websites of man. And I know for a fact that these Y name professors that are in college, that are teaching the pastors and teaching the ministers to teach you that his name is Yahweh and Yahweh and Yahshua and all this crap, I know a fact that they are Freemasons and witches and Satanists that are teaching you this stuff And are making these websites to blind you and deceive you and lead you away and to cause you to trample underfoot the holy name of Jesus and it is sickening I you there is a day of repay for the people that hear this right now and who refuse to repent choose you this day who you will serve Jesus or Yahweh you can't serve both. There's only one name under heaven, and it is written in black and white. He will remove. He will remove these Y names from this earth. Day is coming. He swears by himself that his name is Jesus. He swears by himself in heaven right here, right now. I am his witness. His name is Jesus. Or strike me dead this moment, one. I am alive in Christ Jesus. And I'm alive only because of the name of Jesus. Amen. And all of the revelations about everything that's going to happen and exactly what day they're going to happen and exactly how it's going to happen and who and when and why, all of it has been revealed in Jesus' name. And every one of these prophecies will be fulfilled. Every one of them. You won't find these same prophecies on any other ministry across this globe until the two witnesses. Arise and take my place in this ministry and in this office that He has given me. And if you don't believe it, cry out, shout, and scream in your prayers to Jesus, because He's enough. He has had enough of all these fake prayers. He's had enough of the games and the childish play and these quiet, little, meaningless prayers. He wants deepness of heart. He wants sincerity. He wants what's way down deep inside of you. Search for him diligent with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. That's what he wants. And you must deny yourself and take up your cross, which is so much more than saying one prayer, so much more than going to church once a week, so much more than reading your Bible. Take up your cross and deny yourself. means also being willing to deny everyone and everything that you ever knew. It means being willing to leave your house with nothing more than what would fit in your car and for some of you, no more than what would fit on your back and turning your back against the computers and the websites and TVs and the Internet and turning all that stuff off, selling everything you've got and entering the wilderness where there will be no electric. But for almost everyone, they say, I can't do it. I'm too old. I'm a woman. You're a false prophet. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever excuse they can find. Well, that ain't what God wants of me. Whatever excuse that they can find. And now I sense and feel and see. A multitude of excuses ascending up to heaven. I'm overwhelmed, fulfilling all the excuses from all over the earth, from out of every mouth, out of every mouth on the earth, all the excuses. Can't do it, can't do it, I don't want to do it. Is what it is it is not that I can't but I don't want to do it Lord because I love my computer I love my phone I love my car I love my husband I love my wife I love my mommy I love my daddy I love this I love that I won't surrender to you Lord I surrender everything to you except my husband, my wife, my wife, my car, my job, my sports, my football, this and this and this, I will I surrender everything to you except for everything. Amen. For the day of fire and judgment, it will not be held back forever. There is a day of repay everybody will have to account for every time that they turned their back on the voice of the Lord and said that's only the voice of man they rejected the voice of Jeremiah they rejected the voice of Noah of Ezekiel of Isaiah of Paul of John And of all the prophets that he has ever seen, every one of them without exception, at some time in that prophet's life, he was rejected. At some time in his life, the word of the Lord was rejected in that prophet's ministry because the people... Was full and overflowing with their excuses, their unbelief, and their disobedience, and the lust of their flesh. And they wanted their ears tickled. And they did not want the offense of the truth. They did not want their toes stepped on. They wanted a Joel Osteen preacher to make them smile and feel good. But they did not want the prophet Jeremiah that was the true man of God. Amen nothing has changed there's nothing new under the Sun the people have not changed and there's a fire to be kindled and how I would that it would be today but I will hold back I will hold back because my people must be prepared more people must be forewarned but even if you want to come there is a load on your back and in your heart a summoning block of deception that you do not know that you do not understand because you won't read my word you will not pray you will not cry out to me you will not fast to me because you want to believe the words of the Baptist preacher the Pentecostal preacher the Lupin preacher the Catholic preacher you will not believe the words of Jeremiah and Isaiah equal. You will believe the words of Joel Osteen and and Myers, Joyce Myers. You will believe the words of the television evangelists, over and above the words of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. I did not send those television evangelists. Instead, I sent Noah. Instead, I sent Moses. But you have rejected the voice of Moses and trampled him underfoot and tore him out of the pages of the volume of the book, but he spoke of me and denied my word and my revelation. The Almighty. I'm done. Amen. I am done with this. Choose you this day. Leave or to reject. In Jesus' name. Amen.